Hello, I'm Angela Garcia, and I am the registered dietitian with Thrive Lab. I'm originally from England, and I have over 20 years experience working as a registered dietitian nutritionist. Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm a nurse practitioner for Thrive Lab. Um, I've been with the company for over two years. Um, I uh, am also in family practice and interventional and spine pain, spine and pain medicine, um, as well as a little uh, education in the background. Um, also have a significant history in exercise medicine. So today we wanted to talk about restoring hormone balance through nutrition. And I just wanted to mention that um, we now have a nutrition coaching program available. And what this would include with the initial visit, the patient can expect to receive a comprehensive nutritional assessment uh, where I would also calculate individual energy and protein requirements. Um, there would also be a tailored meal plan and also coaching, ongoing coaching to help achieve nutrition and wellness goals. Yeah, and you know, I think when we're talking about nutrition and hormones, um, they're really hand in hand. And I don't think that we often realize how closely related they are. You know, um, I talk about this all the time with my patients. Uh, food is fuel. You know, we look at it as food is pleasure. And yeah, we can we can enjoy it and we can have pleasure from it for sure. But we need to remember that food is basically uh, to gas to a vehicle is food to our body. So what we put in it is going to make it run better. If we put the wrong gas in the, on, in the vehicle, it's not going to work well. And it's the same way, you know, with, with food. I think this nutrition program is just going to really help to give patients a better understanding of how closely related these, these two subjects are. Um, and also just like the role of how, what foods can do to regulate hormones, because actually a lot of hormone health all kind of goes hand in hand with gastrointestinal health. Um, and I yeah. don't think any patients know that, you know, so um, <laughs> I think also, Angela, like one, one of the things that I think you're going to speak on a little later is, you know, kind of some ideas of foods and ratios and things like that, which uh, that's, that's huge for patients. They need to hear that. They need to know exactly what to do. And I can go so far in nutrition, but you know, that's, that's not, uh, that's not my expertise. That's why we have you. Um, and also I think another really important aspect, and I'm sure you would agree with me is kind of looking at the body as a whole, um, and thinking about stress management, exercise, all of these other things, getting good sleep, yeah. being hydrated. Um, I know that I like preach on it all the time, but this nutrition program, I think is going to dive a lot deeper into, options and recipes yeah. and just ideas. You know, I, I think these patients get a little bit um, nervous whenever it comes to new food choices because they don't know what to pick. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the biggest things that I see in hormone health um, is in, in either perimenopausal women or, or menopausal women, the last thing to subside is that stubborn belly weight. Um, yes. And they get so frustrated and rightfully so, right? You know, they're doing everything right. They're exercising, they're eating right. Um, and I think, you know, what patients need to understand is that during menopause, our body stores weight around the core because there's declining estrogen levels. If we replace mm -hmm. that with hormone therapy, you know, things get a little bit better. And it takes time. But I think with the nutrition, um, you know, that, that kind of helps to expedite that process a little bit. Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. 
Yeah, I'm really excited too about this new program. It is holistic, like you say, and I think it's going to really help the patient see all the connections, see how everything is connected. Um, the emotional side of things, the physical side of things, um, how everything sort of starts to connect and, and work together. Um, and um, I think it's a, it's, it's a great program. And I, I hope that um, people will, will really see that, see, experience the benefit, but really sort of know, know um, how, why everything is sort of working together to, to, to help their them stay um, well, get well, stay well, and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, nutrition and hormone balance. So um, we have these foundational hormones, if you will. There's, there's the insulin, there's the adrenals, there's thyroid hormones. Um, and of course, there's the sex hormones. And I know that, Ashley, you're talking to a lot of patients who that's probably their, their main concern, isn't it? The, the balancing of their estrogen, progesterone, or, or those, those hormones in particular. Yeah, uh, we, I think those in testosterone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we have those. Um, so we have these foundational hormones, um, which um, really kind of support those sex hormones as well. So, and the testosterone. So um, where we... I, where we see diet really um, fitting in is um, um, treating any kind of insulin resistance, um, providing adrenal support, helping um, with th uh, thyroid balancing. Um, so with insulin resistance, one of the things that we have to think about is um, the quality of the diet. So one thing I'm going to be asking patients is, you know, what kind of protein are they consuming? Um, what sort of carbohydrates are they consuming? Are they simple or are they complex carbohydrates? Complex being the ones that are, are higher in, in nutrients and fiber. Um, what kind of fats are they consuming? Are they good fats? Are they the, the bad fats? Um, and um, once we've established that, then we can start to tweak the diet and uh, make it make it healthier. Um, one thing I'm a big advocate for, and I think most dietitians are in this respect, actually, is the food first uh, rule. Um, so, yes, there are lots of supplements out there. Um, but if your basic diet is not as nutritious as it could be. Um, then you're, you just don't get the same absorption as you would um, if you're um, eating a, a clean diet with good quality proteins and also um, um, fiber and, and the essential fatty acids and things like that, which I know we'll touch on a bit more later on. So food first. And with insulin resistance, one of the big things is keeping your blood sugars stable. So you really want to be choosing foods that digest more slowly. Um, the two in particular would be protein foods. So your chicken, fish, eggs, beans, etc. And then also high fiber foods. So your whole grains, uh, beans, legumes. Um, you want to have both those um, type foods, uh, macronutrients or, or uh, food groups in your diet um, for each meal and each snack. 
essentially or ideally um, and those will help to keep blood sugar stable um, and they they prevent they prevent a lot of insulin being released into the bloodstream so that's what we're aiming for um, now in with insulin resistance as well there are some other things that you could consider there are what we call the phytochemicals these are uh, substances that we get in plants that are really important for the diet and uh, promote good health. Um, that would be things like cinnamon. Um, there's quercetin, which you get in onions. There's resveratrol in red grapes. Um, and also things like green tea extract as well. Um, now, you may, the person may also need additional support from maybe some nutraceuticals. Um, and this is, I think, more um, Ashley's side of things where she may be recommending chromium to that person, um, CoQ10, supplements like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, I agree. Yeah. And, and one thing I was going to ask you about, Ashley, was one of the things that you're looking for is, um, is identifying the person with insulin resistance. Sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely um, need to pay attention because insulin just goes hand in hand, like you said. Yeah. Um, so the other um, thing would be adrenal support. Um, now, with the adrenals, again, you're wanting that healthy diet, but you're also wanting to avoid a lot of um, artificial uh, uh, substances in the diet. So you're wanting to try and avoid a lot of chemicals, uh, avoiding artificial colors, artificial um, uh, preservatives. Um, and again, you could also, um, the person may also need some nutraceuticals, maybe um, like a good quality B-complex supplement, um, the omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin C. I know when we're stressed, we the body tends to use up more vitamin C, so supplementing that is very valuable. Also, magnesium and zinc. Um, in terms of thyroid function, again, there's a lot of those um, uh, micronutrients, iron, iodine, tyrosine, zinc, that the body needs for healthy thyroid function. Again, um, I I'm going to encourage the patient to really aim for food first. Um, so um, two very important nutrients for thyroid health are selenium and zinc. Um, and you can get these from Brazil nuts, for instance, but you don't need a lot. So um, it would be maybe just like one Brazil nut and it might be every other day that you would have that. But that is a great way to uh, absorb those nutrients in the body. Um, the one thing that you have to be careful with if you are supplementing zinc is not overdoing it because it can end up throwing up our, off our copper balance. So. Um, again, if we're getting those nutrients from food, that makes a, a big difference. Um, and I think in general, for both men and women, um, I love flaxseed. Ground flaxseed is awesome. And I often recommend that people include two tablespoons of that in their diet um, every day. Um, that enhances detoxification and it also helps with the symptoms of hormonal imbalances. Absolutely. That's um, a lot of interesting information. I didn't, I didn't know about the Brazil nuts. That's, that's really great. A little touch point yeah, for patients. Yeah, they are a, 
powerhouse. You just with with things like nuts, though, you've got to you've got to sort of keep them refrigerated because they'll they'll go rancid on you. If you're not if you're not too yeah. Powerful. Absolutely. That's funny. And I think, you know, many of the points that I, w- I was going to touch on are, are very similar to, to some of the things that you said, and maybe in, in a little bit of a different manner, maybe. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, look at how we can strategize restoring hormone balance through nutrition. And I yeah. think, you know, during that initial visit uh, with the nurse practitioner prior to consulting with you is a great time to get them the patients like in the loop about this and, and knowing that this is an issue. So it makes them more interested in, you know, uh, getting, getting to know more about nutrition and wanting to meet with a a nutritionist to, to expedite their success with this program. Um, You know, simple things like educating them on the fact that a lot of the hormones in the body act as chemical messengers that dictate metabolism. They dictate your menstrual cycle. They dictate other body systems, all sorts of things. So, you know, they go in so many directions and, you know, kind of like what you said earlier, um, knowing what foods support hormone health is, is really important. Um, another thing that I'm not sure that you mentioned or not that I mention to my patients a lot is trying to keep that diet heavy on vegetables, um, cruciferous yes. vegetables, particularly. So yeah. like, you know, broccolis and the cauliflowers and Brussels sprouts, things like that. And then like you said, whole grain, which is really, really important. Um, another thing that I, I think is important for patients to, to know about is, uh, going organic. I know it's expensive. It's so expensive, but, um, if you can, if you can do it, I think that the, the best goal is to at least the dirty dozen. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, you've definitely heard of the dirty dozen. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the dirty dozen (laughs) is essentially a, a, a dozen different fruits and vegetables that absorb pesticides easier. So, they're mm-hmm. like best avoided and we should try to go uh, the organic route for that. So if we can at least do that, I think that's great. Um, yeah. We can do non-GMO. So that's less glyphosate uh, pesticides. Again, um, you know, storing foods in glass containers, not not plastic, which a lot of people aren't familiar with. Phthalates are high yeah. in, in plastic. And when we microwave mm-hmm. in plastic, the same thing happens. Um, you know, it's, it's these little things that kind of add up to, um, really little, little tiny things that, that are so easy to change in our lifestyle. Um, they really don't take much work, but if we make the patient aware that, Hey, like this is an issue and this could, this could really help your success in, in your hormone health. Um, I think that more patients would be apt to do that. Um, I know you mentioned, um, omega threes. We don't naturally yeah. produce those in the body. So that's something that I teach my patients about. So, you know, we can get those from fatty fish, salmon, sardines, even avocados, extra virgin olive oil, um, phytoestrogens uh, mm. found in plants. Um, they regulate estrogen. So examples of that would be like lentils, flaxseed, like you had said, chia seed, pumpkin seed, all of those, and even licorice. That's an interesting one. But those are all places yeah. to get those phytoestrogens that that actually help to regulate whether your estrogen is too high, too low, or, or it's, it's doing well, it helps to keep it in that healthy, uh, that healthy level. Um, I think another thing is picking foods high in probiotics. Uh, probiotics help regulate the GI system. Um, and the GI system is responsible for detoxifying um, hor- hormones, essentially. So that's why I said they go, they go hand in hand. And this is why nutrition is just so important. Uh, probiotic foods we all know are like, you know, the yogurts, kombucha is a, is now an upcoming popular one, even sauerkraut, miso, things like that. Um, just just some things to consider, you know, and then 
kind of diving a little bit more in on the insulin route of things, you know, balancing blood sugar is so important. And I couldn't tell you how many patients that I have when we do the initial labs, their glucose comes back a little bit elevated. And it's like, wow, if we, you know, this is, this is pre-diabetes, right? We need to get a hold of this. Um, You know, insulin determines how we use energy from the foods we consume. When we eat, it raises the blood glucose. Uh, the blood glu- glucose is essentially energy for our cells. So the insulin moves blood sugar uh, from the blood to the cells. And if you're insulin resistant, you can't do that. Um, and and yeah. that's really that's really an important factor to to remember. You know, you think of most diabetics, they need better control over their dieting to prevent that insulin resistance. So with nutrition, um, with Angela in the picture, you know, helping to describe some of these options, things that would be better better options for, for foods. I think that goes a long way. Um, you know, yeah. mindful of processed foods. You want to stay away from processed foods, um, eating in moderation, um, complex carbs, carbs, things like that. And, um, you know, there's so many aspects of this. I could probably go on and on and on. Um, another thing that I often talk about, and it usually comes up in a later conversation because I don't have this much time, um, are anti-inflammatory foods. So inflammation is essentially, yeah. essentially body's response to harm. Um, and sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing, right? So if we focus on a little to no dairy, processed sugar, gluten, um, that's kind of like the anti-inflammatory diet. That's really hard for people. I'll be honest, but, uh, there are a few that can, that can accomplish that. Um, many of the anti-inflammatory foods kind of co-correlate with the foods that I mentioned, uh, earlier, um, and limiting Mm -hmm. inflammation essentially limits that bloating, water retention, and and essentially weight in in a lot of ways. Um, yes, because um, the weight on our bellies, as that you mentioned earlier, that's uh, a lot of that is inflammation, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and, and patients don't realize that because, you know, sometimes when I'll put a patient on progesterone, it takes a few weeks to get them balanced out or even a couple months sometimes. And they may retain more water. But then once they're they're stabilized again, that that water retention goes down, they realize that they're losing some of that that belly mm-hmm. weight. It's not all just fat, you know. Um, I, I really don't think it's all fat. Now, do you have any, you know, suggestions for meal planning, healthy recipes, things like that for patients? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, number one, I, I normally tell people to just sort of start simply. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if it's not just them at home, maybe they've got a family as well that, uh, and we need to establish who's doing all the food prep because I don't want that person to turn into a short order cook. Um, so I try and encourage people to uh, get together with um, another adult in the family and sort of go over what they're typically eating. Um, people know what they like to eat. So one starting point can be modifying a lot of the recipes that they enjoy and making them healthier. Um, another thing would be starting to make uh prep more meals at home if they have been if they if they've got themselves into a habit of eating out more and uh so prepping more foods at home maybe using a crock pot um whatever it takes to start making those changes and and making them easier to to start with as well um and yes, we have a great uh, meal planning software uh, that um, I've been using already. Um, it um, has thousands of recipes on there. Oh. Um, there is one website that's really good. It's eatingwell.com. 
Um, one thing I really like about that is you've got lots of variety. So if you want to do more low carb, you can choose those kind of recipes. Um, you can do a search for recipes that you know you already like, and it will give you healthier versions of those. And it also gives you the nutrition breakdown. So if you're someone, um, maybe your nurse practitioner has encouraged you to start tracking your food intakes using like a fitness app. I know that I sometimes recommend that. Um, and um, when you've got all those, when you've got the nutrition breakdown there for you with the recipe, that makes it really easy to be able to track um, what you're eating. Um, so um, those are the kind of places that, that that's kind of where I get people to start off with. Um, and what I would do before I, I met somebody uh, as a new patient, I would get them to keep like a three day food diary if they can to kind of, you know, give me an idea about what um, what they're eating. And that will also help me to identify if there are any nutritional deficiencies that they might be at risk of, like if they're missing a complete food group, like they they don't touch dairy at all. So, OK, so what can we do in that situation? Um, and but I try and start off where the patient's at um, and meet them where they're at and then just kind of encourage them to make some simple changes. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a work in progress, right? You know, you're not going to take someone from a very unhealthy diet to an excellent, perfect diet overnight. And yes. honestly, there's no such thing as a perfect diet. We all have to enjoy life too. Um, mm. So I think it's just like gradually, gradually getting there and working with them. I love the idea how you take like recipes that they like and make them healthier. That's actually yeah. When I first got into, you know, fitness and competing and things like that, that's what I did. And that's how I limited, um, you know, extra fats or extra carbs whenever mm -hmm. I was trying to balance my macros. It was like, you know, avoiding certain condiments or um, not drinking my calories. That's a huge one. Yes. Um, and those yes. little changes made such a big difference. So th that's another that's another big thing. And, you know, I think the other thing is right now the, the world is so crazy that convenience is key. For everyone, right? <laughs> so we want to be able to drive through McDonald's or drive through Subway, whatever, stop at Subway and, and get something quick and mm. easy. We have kids going to sports, we have work, we have dance class, we have all this stuff. I mean, I know that with my three kids, I'm, I'm everywhere all the time. Um, and so it's just easy. It's easy to go pick something up. Yeah. But when we're picking stuff up, that's usually processed foods. Um, mm. And those are the type of foods that, you know, we, we want to try to stay away from. Um, and I always tell my patients when they're trying to work on their nutrition that when you go to the grocery store, you should always shop the outside aisles. I know that's like a really common um, word of advice, I guess. I've lost but you. It's, I can't hear you now. Can you hear me now? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I was, um, I was saying that, um, you know, with my patients, I try to tell them to shop the outer aisles of the grocery store, um, which I know yeah. is pretty, a pretty common thing uh, to say. I've heard that many times, but it's really yeah. true. Um, the outside aisles have, you know, your, your proteins, it has your dairies, it has your, your cruciferous vegetables, it, it fruits, things like that. And I know, yeah, all these diets that we spoke to and some limited di uh, dairy, some limited, um, Mm -hmm. different items there, but it's all on kind of how, how your approach is, um, you yeah. know, processed foods come in drive through foods, frozen meals, packaged snacks, cookies, cereals, mm -hmm. canned soups, even breakfast meats. Many people think those are proteins. 
those are processed. They are proteins, but they're processed, even pastas, all that stuff. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's out there and it's everywhere. Um, and I, another like really food for thought um, is I truly believe that what was put on this earth is all we need. Um, and yeah. if you think about healthy foods, those healthy foods were put on this earth or they grow on, on this earth. So, you know, back when they couldn't do processed foods, um, it was vegetables and fruits and they, they killed their own animals for meat. It was protein and, and, and that type of thing and whole grains. Right. So, yeah. you know, a diet in fruits, vegetables, eggs, meats, whole grains is, is great. Those things are all natural. They're coming from the earth naturally. Um, yeah. When we look at the I type think- of foods that we go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think one exception is um, we're seeing a lot of uh, low levels of magnesium in the American oh, yeah. diet. And, you know, the, the, the uh, theory behind that is that with intensive farming, um, that's kind of the soil is becoming depleted. So that's why we're not getting as much magnesium in the body uh, through our food. Yeah. So that's something that... Um, you know, I've often recommended to, for mm-hmm. a person to supplement with because, um, you know, it, it helps with, with stress and calming and sleep and all that sort of thing. So that, that, that's one thing that, um, unfortunately, we, I don't think we see as much in the, the American diet at the levels that we would, that we would prefer. Yeah, that's a really good point. I have a lot of patients on magnesium specifically for sleep, um, and that's sometimes the first route option to go just as natural as possible. Um, and, you know, going back to processed foods a little bit, um, the processed foods that we eat are sugar, right? They, they end up being sugar or carbs. Um, and that leads to insulin issues, which leads to estrogen issues. So we're all kind of, I guess I'm circling back around, like, it, it's just like, wow, this all links together in some way, shape or form. And when we talk about it, it's kind of funny because it's like making, making, um, sense in my brain, you know, as, as I go on, um, you know, they contain those BPAs that affects function and production of hormones, all of that stuff, artificial flavors, like you were talking about earlier, um, they yeah. actually are linked to hormone mi- mimicking. So uh, the, the same way that artificial flavors are made, your body thinks that it's, it's mimicking hormone replacement and that causes disruption to the hormone balance, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, I know like the red dyes and things. That's yeah, interesting. So, I mean, I think it really boils down to consuming foods derived directly from the earth that haven't been artificially manipulated is the most beneficial thing. Um, It's not only our hormone health, but our overall health. Um, Planning meals ahead of time, moderation, the 80-20 rule is what I I go by a lot. Remembering that food is our body, body our body as gas is to a car, essentially, like I said earlier, the wrong kind will make it work insufficiently. We only have one body and, and we only have one chance. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think people have heard that message enough. Um, I, I think the importance of, of the, the influence of diet on our health, um, people don't realize just what a big percentage that is. Um, you know, it is, you know, it ha- Nutrition has at least like an 80% bearing on our health. So, um, yeah, it's, it's important, but we just, we don't hear that message enough, unfortunately. No, we don't. And our patients don't either. And honestly, I think that's, I think we'll both agree that that's the importance of today's message and just kind of, 
uh, you know, looping around to connect nutrition to hormone health. And this this program, I'm, I as a as a nurse practitioner, I'm so very excited for it because you know, nutrition and explanation takes a long time. And I want to focus on everything and I want to cover every topic, but you know, I, I have to focus on the hormone part. So it's so great to be able to work with you and and dive deeper into that. And there's there's so many patients that that I think are going to benefit from this program. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Angela, for talking to me today about um, nutrition and hormone health. This is this was extremely extremely helpful for me. I learned something, so I I hope you did as well. And you know, hopefully, this helps to. Yeah, hopefully, it helps to gather some patients that that are interesting in Thrive Labs Care to to kind of do both at once and and get the full effect. Yeah, I want to sing it from the rooftops, but uh, that might alarm some people. I love it. I love it. I mean, I think I think once once we get a couple couple patients on board, I think I I think we'll get there. I think they'll let, the rest will follow in one, one way, shape, yes. or form. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, all right. Well, thanks, Angela. Thanks for talking with me today. <laughs> really appreciate you. Um, and hopefully, we, we catch catch up soon. Yeah. All right. Take care. Take care. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Cut. Should I leave? <laughs> I think Is she there. Come on, we can't. She we stopped leave. at like twenty nine minutes. I don't know. Hey guys, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Hey, sorry, I've been having issues with my device. You guys can just log off, and I, I will edit it. the ending after. Are you there? Sorry, I didn't. Hello. Um, you guys can just log off and I'll edit the ending after. I'm having issues with my device, but okay. great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't really. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks, Angela. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.